It's a coffee shop. It's, it's not the most serious thing in the world, but it's just coffee. People shouldn't be having breakdowns. That, that shouldn't be a thing that you want to do is text somebody and say, I want to cry, but there isn't even time to do that. My biggest message to my fellow coworkers is, is that just acknowledging the fact that we are the working class and we are the people who make money for billion dollar corporations and we deserve better. It inspired other uh, workers at other Starbucks all over the country to say, well, why not us? I'll tell you what I was thinking the entire time I was doing my job today. This is so much better than working at Starbucks. And it's not just that it pays more, it is also so much more rewarding to do your entire day's work and not have a single person yell at you about a pump of syrup. Oh my God, what a relief. (laughs) You're listening to the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly. Starbucks abruptly fired seven union supporters at a store in Memphis, Tennessee on Tuesday in what the union says is a retaliatory purge of the organizing committee. The firings mark a significant escalation in the battle between the world's largest coffee chain and the fast-growing Starbucks Workers United campaign. Our show today features reports on that campaign from across the Labor Radio Podcast Network. We begin with The Checkout, which back in October featured an interview with two of the Starbucks baristas who started this whole movement in Buffalo, New York. On yesterday's Your Rights at Work, we talked with Virginia Starbucks organizer Kent Wiggers about why that state has suddenly become a hotbed of union organizing. Then, Work Stoppage, which covered the campaign back in January when it had spread to two dozen locations and then did an update on Thursday's show after last week's firings. And on America's Workforce Radio, labor lawyer Joyce Goldstein provides some insight into recent changes at the National Labor Relations Board that have facilitated the Starbucks organizing drive. I'm Chris Garlock. And that's all ahead on today's selection of highlights from the nearly 150 shows in the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Hey, if you like what you hear, and we hope you do, you'll find links to the entire programs in our show notes. And of course, you can find all 150 shows on our website at laborradionetwork.org. Here's the show. Welcome to the checkout, Casey Moore, Michael Sanabria, Starbucks Workers United committee members. Thanks so much for making the time for us. Yeah, thank you. So Casey and Michael, oh yeah, my pleasure. Thank you guys for making the time. I'm amazed here. So what are your jobs at Starbucks and why did you start working at Starbucks? Casey, you want to go first? Sure. I'm more, uh, I'm a newer worker at Starbucks. The partner is what they call workers at Starbucks. So if you hear us refer to partners, that's what we're talking about. I actually started four or five months ago at this point. Um, and I'm a barista at Starbucks. And the reason that I started working there is because I'm studying for graduate school. I like needed things like healthcare. The benefits I thought were really good compared to a lot of other service industry jobs in particular. I had worked in the service industry before. I've been a waitress and different things. And I really valued the things that Starbucks seems to stand for. I was really excited when I got a job as a barista and even more excited when started hearing things about organizing. But 
we'll talk about that later. But yeah, I'm a barista. Awesome. Michael, how about you? I'm a barista. I actually got hired into the company as a shift supervisor. I had worked at a previous other coffee chain and my store manager came to Starbucks and she loved me and also wanted me to work at her store. Yeah. And that's why I worked there. And then I fell in love with like coffee and, and the people and the vibe in general. Right on. So what inspired the union organizing campaign? Michael, why don't you start on this one? I think I got into it a little late. I found out about it actually the day before it went public, literally like the night before. I think think what inspired it though is seeing just the way the company has like treated the employees. Like early on, there was actually an increased pay rate um, when we were like essential workers. And then after all the stores started being required to open up again, they took that pay rate down, but we're still in the pandemic. Like the, uh, nothing changed. This is also way before the vaccines were like, yeah. big. Um, this was May 2020. They just got rid of the, the pay and stuff. So I think things like that and just generally not feeling appreciated, like really not feeling appreciated, stuff like that. Casey, how about you? Yeah, definitely exactly what Michael said. Like, I think my store in particular is interesting. I work at the Williamsville Place store in Buffalo. And my store is actually an outlier because most of the partners at my store have been there probably like three, five, ten plus years. So it's just like, I came in as a new partner and really saw that these are the people that make Starbucks work, make it happen. Like without them, like our store would be a mess. And I, they have good ideas. And I, I think from my perspective, like seeing all of these people, like really being like the face and making be without baristas and chips, there wouldn't be a Starbucks. And I think like Michael said, like the conditions, like we, we just didn't feel appreciated or, or valued or Ultimately, it's about having a voice at the table. And I think that's what really brought this on was like people saying like, we don't, we can do something about this. Like we have power, like when we stand together and there's 8,000 Starbucks in the entire country and not one of them are unionized, like there's a problem here. And I think just people talking in the Buffalo region and, and a lot of people wanting to to do something about it. I think it was just like a, a good moment and it just the word spread in here. I'll be honest, of course, it's a mixed bag. There are people that are pro, there are people that are anti, I'm sure. I think there's been in general, just like a lot of excitement. But to be honest, there's also been a lot of confusion. And I would say that's largely because of Starbucks's response. We've asked like, from the beginning, since they started like having these basically mandatory listening sessions and like team meetings, they're calling them. We've asked you guys, quote unquote, giving us the facts, but these facts are all like skewed and very anti-union. And we've asked them straight up, can we have a union representative? We only have one organizer helping us, Richard Bensinger. Can he stand here? Can you give us like the partners? We're the ones who are forming this union. Can you let us answer questions too? And they keep saying, oh, like the union could have their own meetings if they want to, like partners are getting the information. But as an example, I brought in some flyers that were just explaining what was going on to my store and put them in the back room where we have all, all the other information that partners need to know in my store. And I come back a day or two later and they've all just disappeared after a group of corporate representatives were visiting our store. So is this how you hold them accountable? <laughs> yeah. For their direction. Exactly. And when I inquired about them, no one knew what mysteriously happened to them. So I think if Starbucks wants to have a fair election, like they keep saying that they do, then they need to actually 
let people know what's going on and give give us equal time and you need to like actually be fair yeah and stop like the last anti-union meeting that michael's going to in about a half an hour is a 35 40 minute presentation about how unions are bad it's a powerpoint I'm excited. So, so what's the overall vision for organizing your coworkers? Starbucks calls them your partners. What do you hope to achieve? What do you, where do you hope this to be in a month or six months or two years? Michael, um, yeah, me personally, just better quality of life at work. I've seen like kind of seen partners and, and my coworkers like have breakdowns over things like being behind on bills or even things like being understaffed on the floor, like really poorly understaffed. I had somebody who recently got promoted to shift supervisor texting me in the middle of a really awful shift. And she was like, I really want to cry right now, but I don't have the time for it. Stuff like that. It is a fun job. Like it's a coffee shop. It's it's not the most serious thing in the world, but it's just coffee. So you can have fun with it and people shouldn't be having breakdowns. You, that shouldn't be a thing that you want to do is text somebody and say, I want to cry, but there isn't even time to do that. And ways you can do that are things that we can uh, all collectively bargain for and get in an agreement. Casey? Awesome, guys. Casey Moore, Michael Sanabria, Starbucks Workers United committee members. Thank you so much for your courage. Thank you so much for your extra energy doing this after work and organizing your coworker in addition to having some of the toughest jobs in the food industry. You guys are my heroes. Anything else you want to say? No, just thank you so much for your time. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for the time for, for helping get our message out more and, and the support. It literally means the world to, to hear and have this support. Our pleasure. Thanks for being on the checkout. Hey, all right, all right. Tonight, Watchman himself, Tom Morello, with the Union Town. This is a Union Town. You're listening to your rights at work, Chris Garlock, Ed Smith. Speaking of Union Town, I tell you, organizing is busting out all over uh, Starbucks, which sort of seemed impervious, like Amazon for years. Uh, is just, I think, last count I had, and I'm not sure this is accurate. I think there's some fifty. Uh, different stores organizing. There's a number here in the metro area uh, that started out in Virginia, and we're very pleased uh, to have a Starbucks worker, Kat Wiggers, uh, from Virginia. She's uh, worked at the Forest Hill store, uh, which is one of the ones that's filed for an election. And she's also, I thought you'd be interested in this, Ed, as a musician. She's organizing a big music festival to support the campaign. Kat, welcome to Your Rights at Work. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell us about how you got involved in uh, in organizing. Buffalo was kind of the inciting incident for us, um, just knowing that it was possible. I'm not very familiar with labor law. I'm learning every day. Um, I've kind of gotten the crash course by doing this. But we kind of just reached out to um, organizers from Buffalo, and they kind of gave us the contact info for people down here. And got the ball rolling. And like as soon as we kind of started talking about it within our store, um, it was just like an overwhelming amount of support. We don't really have anybody at our store that's against what's happening. So it's been pretty awesome to see. 
So what were the kinds of issues that got you interested and in, in that, that are resonating with your coworkers? Um, so I've worked for Starbucks for five years, and my biggest issue um, the entire time I've been here is the the wages and especially exceptionally for me it's being here for five years there's like almost no seniority pay we're seeing the needle start starting to move again but again that's because of what's been going on across the country partners like pushing back to have higher wages but in our eyes it's it's not good enough and it's not gonna be a lasting solution what they're doing currently is just like to kind of quell the issues. So what we would like to see is policies in place that ensure that our pay stays where it should be or increases as it should. When you first started talking, you know, about the union with your coworkers, did, what what was your thought of what the response, because as you said, you don't come from a union background, so you probably had no expectations, right? I mean, our biggest thing has been educating people on what a union is and what it can do for uh, workers. And I think what um, my biggest message to my fellow coworkers is, is that just acknowledging the fact that we are the working class and we are the people who make money for billion dollar corporations and we deserve better has been like eye opening. It's like an eye opening identity to have. And once like you kind of explain that and they see like all the injustice like that's been happening and stuff, it's just like. How could you disagree? <laughs> now, Kat, uh, uh, the big news this week was the uh, the uh, workers, uh, I guess the whole organizing team uh, in Tennessee that got fired. And I'm just curious uh, about the, what you know, your reaction and, and your folks uh, where you are. How, how are you taking that? It's definitely like blatant union busting by Starbucks. It's a completely horrendous look for them. Um, basically, what these employees got fired for is policies that are not normally enforced, for example, like being behind the line, um, off the clock, checking your schedule off the clock, all sorts of like random policies being broken that in a normal store without union happening would just be a corrective action or what we call a coaching. It would be more of a conversation and less of a you're fired conversation. Um, in my five years, I've never seen someone get fired for something like that. So if that tells you anything. (laughs) Starbucks isn't necessarily like my career and it might not be like everybody that is organizing like necessarily career, but I definitely want the people who come after me. I want their jobs to be a little bit better. (laughs) So that's great. Kat, thank you so much for your organizing work and for being on the show. We're going to want to stay in touch. Keep up the great work. All right. Awesome. Thanks for having me on guys. Take care. I'll tell you what I was thinking the entire time I was doing my job today. This is so much better than working at Starbucks. And it's not just (laughs) that it pays more. It is also so much more rewarding to do your entire day's work and not have a single person yell at you about a pump of syrup. Oh my (laughs) God, what a relief. Welcome everybody to yet another episode of Work Stoppage, your favorite Starbucks commentary podcast. (laughs) We are entirely listener supported, so thank you for any money you might be throwing us on Patreon. If you're not in the Discord already, that's the free thing, so you should definitely do that and leave us a five-star review wherever you think it would help. If you could etch it into a stone tablet to be found by a future civilization, I think 
think that would really go a long way. So. You could you could tie it to your car battery when you throw it into the ocean to recharge the electric eels. Get my right. noggin jogging. Really using <laughs> using your noodle with that one. Well, uh, we're going to talk as we always are seemingly right now about Starbucks a little bit because there has been a rash of firings of Starbucks employees who hmm, coincidentally were major players or otherwise involved in unionization campaigns and the reasons given by the Starbucks corporation for these firings is a series of infractions so minor that some of them are actually encouraged by management most of the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Um, So one of the things that gets me about this is that somehow they've managed to fire seven count them seven more than you have fingers on one hand people (laughs) in one day. Because they, they, they all manage to commit these egregious infractions at once. And for some reason, that's cool. Not union busting, according to Starbucks. Though there are some pretty strong pushes. I think there's a, 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 an injunction or whatever the word is for like a, a piece of paper that says you need to uh, get these people back to work as soon as possible because this is a very clear violation. Do not let this take months. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that and there's a there's a, like a little video of a manager going over all of the different policies like people going behind the bar people being allowed to go into the back room because they might have stuff there or they might have to use the work computer uh they were fired for that they were fired uh what was there there was another one in here I'm, well they they let people into the store and the company Starbucks claimed oh they let customers in after we closed except that the store normally closes at 8 and on that day the store closed early at 6 but didn't tell anyone that they mm-hmm. were closing at 6 and so these workers who Again, I, I appreciated that the, that former manager in that video you were referencing explained that Starbucks has a policy of if customers try to come to you know the location within ten minutes of closing, that the general policy is to let them in and serve them. And mm-hmm. so this was like well before the normal eight p.m. close time. And so these workers who had just come in to you know check on something thought, oh well, you know we can let these people in and give them their latte or whatever they want, right. and it'll be no problem. Right. So well, it's not like, so it's not against policy, but also think about that, folks. They have a policy of letting customers come in ten minutes after close. You know how many memes we've seen about worker mm-hmm. or about like customers coming in five minutes before close, yeah. causing people all sorts of grief. <laughs> these, are the, well, and, these are the kind of conditions that Starbucks wants to put people through. Right, and it, it's just a sliding scale of like you have minor infractions at the most severe end, which is like going behind the bar while you're not punched in, which is like something that happens all the time. Again, often encouraged by management uh, during normal business practices. And then like you said, letting customers in 10 minutes after close or when they're confused about when the hours are is not only not against guidelines, but it follows them. And when you work for Starbucks, any hours that the store is open, you are allowed in that back room. The former manager made this very clear in the video, but I want to reiterate it. It's like, you work there. <laughs> That's where the schedule is. That's mm-hmm. where all the information is. That's where the special Starbucks portal is that has a lot of features that you can't access from your home computer or phone. Yeah, and it's actually like locked. Yes. And it's, uh, it, it's just absolute derangement. I mean, I think we're beating a dead horse at this point, but it is 100% yeah. without a doubt union busting. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. And, and so like, as you mentioned, like Lena, the, like, 
Workers United has, of course, filed a like unfair labor practice charge against Starbucks and is, you know, imploring the the NLRB to resolve this quickly. But I, I mean, I don't think I don't think Star like I think Starbucks's whole oh well this was because of company policy. Like I don't I don't think they have any illusion that they're gonna you know trick the nlrb i think it's I it's they, it's just they can't an, even trick the local news the conservative <laughs> yeah. local news so there's right. local news programs that are reporting on this so like they never report on labor but now they're reporting on this starbucks in memphis yeah well, it's just I, so egregious and starbucks maybe is in a weird way not helped right now by the fact that they have this like liberal progressive image because even though supporting unions goes against everything conservatives stand for especially they can't help but gotcha a liberal company when they fuck up. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, That's the thing funny. is, I, and I like kind of, I posted about this on Twitter, but I feel like this is really just, it just shows the calculation that Starbucks is making, which right. their, their assessment is, yeah, the NLRB will clearly rule against us on this and say this was, you know, unfair retaliation and union busting. But by the time they get any sort of relief, we will have been able to disrupt the efforts of these folks to unionize the store and intimidate any other workers at there and hire new people and screw with the union drive effort so that it'll be irreparably damaged uh, so that no matter what the NLRB rules, that it'll still work out in the company's favor. And like, I, you know, to, to assess that, I, I do think that for most companies, big or small that cause we, this is not like, this is a particularly egregious and particularly public example of this, but we see this exact sort of shit all the time across the board. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, fucking family dollar will just straight up fire entire staffs with, if they come, if they even talk about unionizing, they'll close the whole goddamn store. Like I was surprised that they went through all the procedures of writing me up three times in a week or two to, to fire <laughs> me. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it, that's the thing about Starbucks that makes this particularly stark is if you have any experience with their business model, if you've ever worked for them or paid attention to how they operate, they simply don't summarily fire you for anything less egregious than like theft. You basically right. have to be taking money out of the register to get instant insta fired. Yeah. yeah. And like they did mention that like a couple of the employees that were fired were for like, quote, cash handling violations but not again not theft and the the manager in that video pointed out that those workers were like brand new hadn't been trained in like starbucks's particular cash handling procedures and so whatever mistakes they made were ultimately you know the fault of their supervisor in the first place usually what that is is it's i think it's making tips out of the or making making change out of the tip jar mm. when your when your drawer is like not able to accommodate a, a, a customer's request again that's something you, we did all the, the, the time the most common thing that that would be that violation and again something I did all the time and that my manager told me to do many, many, many times. And, and so I do think that this is that, 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 that calculation that Starbucks made that, yeah, we'll get called this out as illegal, but what, who cares what they tell us to rehire these people or pay some back pay. Cause they, again, like labor law in the U S has no teeth whatsoever. Like the mm-hmm. worst punishment for Starbucks in this is like, they back have to wages. give somebody they have to rehire people, pay some back pay and get a little bit of bad press. Like, and they're not gonna, they're not gonna make them voluntarily recognize the union. Right. Welcome 
to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Joining us on line number two right now, is Joyce Goldstein, Joyce Goldstein and Associates. Website is JoyceGoldsteinLaw.com, located in Cleveland, Ohio. And she is my expert and your expert on the National Labor Relations Board. I tell you, she gets uh, news from them each and every day, and this is what we want to do on the show is dissect that news. Joyce, welcome back to the show. How are we doing today? Great. Thank you very much. It's great to be back. Last time you and I talked... Uh, Starbucks started organizing, and uh, that was in Buffalo, New York. Since that time, I'm reading about a dozen of them. One in downtown Cleveland is organizing. I have to ask you, what did the National Labor Relations Board do to make that happen? Because a lot of people said, no, 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 this is not going to happen. I know it's a different day in Washington, but explain to me and our listeners what paved the way, Joyce? Sure. I think that, you know, part of what happens is, you know, once you have a success and people are inspired by that, they continue on. So part of what I think is attributable to is legal and part of it then becomes more political and in a more general sense. But on the legal side of it, I think that from the NLRB standpoint, there are probably two different ways to think about what the NLRB did that facilitated the Starbucks organizing. On the one hand, there were procedural issues. And then on the other hand, there were substantive issues. And on the procedural side, the main thing that the NLRB has been doing is that they're speeding up election cases. It's unions file election petitions with the NLRB when they're strong. They only need 30% of the workers to support an election petition, but to actually win an election, they need 50% plus one. So the longer an employer can delay who wants to, the greater chance they have of defeating a union campaign. When a union comes down, they try to, most unions come in with a supermajority of support, not just the 30% that they need because they know that they're going to lose support over time, typically. And so what the NLRB has been doing more recently is, under the Biden administration, is that they're not granting extensions. They're requiring parties to commit to their position. They're holding quick hearings if necessary. They're deferring issues to uh, disputed issues to after an election if they can push that down um, into later in the proceedings and go forward and hold the election, even if it might mean impounding ballots or holding them, uh, but at least having the election when there hasn't been the opportunity to destroy the majority support. They're not allowing deadlines to be blown. So it's a a lot of stuff that really, I think, contributes to getting the elections happening quicker so that the majority isn't decimated in the time. And then on the substantive side with 
the Starbucks case in Buffalo, the issue there was that the the union had support in individual stores and wanted to have elections in individual stores. And Starbucks, on the other hand, said that the only appropriate unit was all the Starbucks in the entire Buffalo area. And the union hadn't organized in all of the Starbucks in the whole area so that if they had to have an election among all of the stores, then, again, they probably would have lost because they wouldn't have had support. But they did have support in the individual stores. And so on the substantive side of the law, uh, the NLRB came in and said, no, having the single store elections and separate bargaining units was appropriate. And they went forward and ordered the elections that way. And then because the union won, at least in one of the stores, and arguably in two of the stores uh, that it inspires other uh, workers at other Starbucks all over the country to say, why not us? And yeah. that of course is the reason why the company put so much into fighting the Buffalo situation. That's it for this edition of the labor radio podcast weekly, our roundup of highlights from just a few of the nearly 150 labor radio shows and podcasts that make up the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Remember, we've got links to the shows you heard today in the show notes for this podcast. You'll find all the network shows at laborradionetwork.org, and you can also find them by using the hashtag LaborRadioPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Labor Radio Podcast Weekly was edited by Patrick Dixon and Mel Smith. I produce the show, and our social media guru, as always, is Mr. Harold Phillips. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Labor Radio Net. Find out more on our website at laborradionetwork.org. For Labor Radio Podcast Weekly, this is Chris Garlock. Stay active and stay tuned to your local labor radio podcast show.